I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Welcome to Fever FM. Tonight we're talking the first game, the first proper home game of the Wahinex. Uh I'm joined by Dale and Cam. How are you guys? Incredibly tired. <laughs> Just <laughs> so tired. <laughs> Let's take that as a given because I'm looking straight at, into Dale's eyes and those are not looking even in the same direction. <laughs> they're, not, they're not bloodshot for a good reason, eh? <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, uh, my my toddler has done a favour, and by getting sick the week of uh, World Cup opening, so not only am I getting up early, I'm also waking up lots during the night for that nice. as well. So, actually, my boy's doing me a favour. He's woken me up just before my alarm both the last two nights, and then this morning he got up and watched the uh, Mexico Poland game with me. Admittedly, he was on the laptop watching YouTube, but I had <laughs> the football on. But he was there keeping me company nonetheless. So. Yeah, my boy has decided that this is the week he's sleeping in. So brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> all all of that is brilliant. This will win. Yeah. I really am. Uh, okay. Now that we've got the fatherhood section of the podcast <laughs> out of the way, let's <laughs> probably talk football. Um, a bit of a momentous occasion. Obviously, a lot of build up um, with the uh, press and the uh, segues from uh, local media and the like. Um, even a two page um, ad in the paper, uh, looking for 10,000 people. Didn't quite eventuate. No, I I think the 10,000 was probably a little ambitious, um, considering, you know, we haven't achieved that target with the men for some time. But uh, COVID notwithstanding, obviously. um, But the crowd they did get was still a record. And the turnout they did have was still very, very good. Hmm. I wonder if it was it would have been better or higher if it was their very first game, not just their first home game. Mm. So if they started the season rather than last. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. I, I, I must say that when I heard the number, I felt a little disappointed about it because I was hoping it was going to be a better turnout and it was decent weather. Um, but yeah, it's still, I mean, what was it? Five, two, one, three. It's It's a good turnout for a team that, isn't uh, hasn't been winning traditionally and is only new, hasn't got an established culture. Yep, I think I actually think it's the it is the record regular season crowd for a, a league women's game, um, which is phenomenal in itself. You are obviously fighting years of patriarchal disdain to get people in there uh, from the people who really only watch European football. You know, it's uh, there's a lot you are fighting against, and I think they've done exceptionally well to get the crowd that they have in the circumstance that they've given. It would have been great to have more, obviously, but um, I'm really ecstatic considering the push they had, um, the massive, massive marketing campaign around getting all those people, all the people through the door. I think they can be quite quietly proud of the number that did arrive. I mean, the, pl- the players seemed pretty happy with it. Um, yep. Regardless, they they the, the talk after the game was how um, I guess excited they were to play at the team, you know, the stadium that had more than you know their their parents and and, and their cousins watching. 
Yeah, well, what did Lily say? What you call it? You know, having fifty people at Wollongong. Yep. Yeah, two angry mums. I think she said. <laughs> Hopefully, there were more angry mums. There probably were, to be quite honest. Um, it was not something that uh, they're probably going to write home about. Um, so Melbourne City, obviously, a very, very good team. Missing uh, Hannah Wilkinson, so that was one bonus. But unfortunately, uh, we were missing quite a few players, Rolo uh, and uh, Lily for a start, uh, and a couple of others out as well. We had also Grace Wisniewski and Michaela Robertson. Yes, yeah, so that, that spine was looking a bit a bit shallow, uh, unfortunately, um, which is not what you want when you're starting off a, you know, trying to kick off a new season against a very, very good side. Um, the, the starting lineup they did put out was uh, Edwards and Goal, McMeekin, Barry, Taylor and Vandermeer um, across that back four, Betsy Hassett and Chloe Knott in the midfield and then in front of them uh, Satchel, Wynnum, Foster and Pritchard. Um, so realistically not an inexperienced side. Uh, only I think Ed, uh, Brown Edwards had only played one game prior to this uh, in the A League Women's. Yeah, she played a game when um, she played a game. Breed played a game when Lily was away on Ferns yep. duty last season. Yep. But apart from that, it would be Vandermeer and Foster. I think were the would be the only ones who hadn't played. Yep. In the A League um, before, Michaela Foster's I think a scholarship player. Um, she mm-hmm. certainly wasn't in the squad last year. I don't think she was been old enough. I think she's only eighteen no, she... now. This year, um, that that did kind of make the left hand side quite inexperienced. Um, considering that, I was quite impressed with how the left hand side did, particularly in that first half. Like the the that was whilst young and experienced, they are quality players. Um, I think. Um, yeah, there's, there's no question that they are going to improve and step up in the in the near future. I think the you know the key is if we think about how the A League men were in the first couple of seasons that we had them, it's the same scenario of you know we're just trying to get used to the fact that we've got a a team that they can play and that they can be you know experience experienced professional football in. And I, th- I mean the the men's team in the first couple of seasons were not winning games and doing particularly well either. And it just took a while to for to embed in and get that culture, you know, uh, ingrained in them and the experience ingrained in them uh, for things to develop into what three, four years in before they started making playoffs. So it will come, but you know, it's just going to be a, a time factor, I think. Hmm. Well, we should probably start talking about the football. Uh, oh, actually, before we get onto that, um, there was a nice little touch um, at the beginning. The um, basically a guard of honour, the men's men's side trotting out for that i thought that was a nice little idea i like the fact that that makes the makes it to the fans and those looking in makes the club feel inclusive of all the teams does it make sense um yeah rather than just treating these guys or the guys and the and the women as two separate entities which they very much were last season because they're playing at different places at different times there's you know there was very little um cohesion in that because of you know circumstance around covid um yeah, it was it was just a nice way of saying or showing the the fans that were assembled there that the they are accepted into the fold as an integral part of the club moving forward, which was it was a really good touch. Yeah, I think um, he uh, I think that that was exactly the message it was supposed to send too, which is which is good. There are obviously people are thinking about 
the club as a whole rather than just separate teams. Well, we should actually talk about the opening ceremony as well because um, they, they did do um, the... Uh, the oh, what was the word, sorry? Pofiti? Yes. Did a pofiti at the start. Man, I am tired. Eh? Words are not coming easily today. Um, <laughs> the Yeah, the, the pofiti at the start, there was the... Um, the procession out uh, from the tunnel uh, also had uh, Lily acting as you know club captain for the women's side. It had Tori Farnell, uh, the mayor of Wellington, in the front, who also gave a speech um, prior to the game. Um, there was a Tonga presentation to to Lily as well from local Manoa Whenua. Um, I just it felt like a really nice touch and and very well done um you know i mean it was quite uh it was uh wasn't wasn't long but it certainly it certainly made a nice mark to the occasion that that was you know fairly historic for the uh for the club actually making a bit a bit of a um i don't want a, a thing of it actually making it um making making it a mark rather than just treating it like any other game. like So coming back home was important. I think that was a really strong message to send as well. Ho- hopefully the um, the woman felt that and um, hopefully they get the uh, start feeling a little more comfortable being at home, playing in Sky, at Sky Stadium, playing in front of fans. Uh, yep. Yeah, I say it was a, it was an occasion. It probably it probably got to them too in a, a degree as well because it's uh, it was quite momentous. Um, so I'm sure that did play on their minds. Obviously, they're still you know still got to go out and play a game of football, but there's you know there's other bits and pieces there too. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was cool. It was just yeah, it had a had a really nice like the whole day had a really nice feel to it, like a really good feel to the occasion. Now we uh, we've just had Dave join us. Hello, Dave. Hello, hello. Sorry, I'm late. Um, so we can crack on into the actual football. Uh, it wasn't a bad wee start. They looked and uh, looked like they were in it for a good part of that first half. I would say more than in it. I thought, to be honest, the first the first half, I thought we had the better chances and probably, I mean, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say dominated, but certainly were the better of the two sides, I thought, um, I think. The chances that we made and, and the ball we had looked better than what Melbourne City had. I mean, they had a, a couple chances on the counter and, you know, they, they're, they're a good side, so they, they weren't bad. But, yeah, I honestly thought for 45 minutes, shit, we're, we're probably going to beat them here. So my take on that was a little bit different. Um, I think City started stronger than us, uh, certainly for the first perhaps 10 or so minutes, and then we had a really long stretch where yeah. we performed excellently Um I have to make particular note of Betsy Hassett, who was playing at six, who for the entire game, for the entire 90, was by far and away our standout performer. Um, And it wasn't just a single aspect which made her stand out. Her disruption of play, positional play, her transition, her ability to find a pass, um, and when none of that, that is on, her power running with the ball into space constantly caused City problems. It was exceptionally good holding DC, DC in play. It was fantastic. She she really was a cut above, and this is for both teams, a cut above both anybody else defensively in that game. She was excellent. Um, and I think that was the catalyst for the performance that we put in there. Um, 
I think City created better opportunities than us, but certainly less opportunities than us. Yeah, yeah we uh, the, the opportunities they had, I think there was an excellent, Brianna made an excellent one-on-one save um, towards the end of the half. Um, she's done, like, done very, very well. Made herself big, moved late and got a hand to it, which was really, really well done. But yeah, that, that so that was like the quality opportunity they had. Whereas ours didn't feel like that. We had plenty of corners with crosses into the box. We had Ava had a couple which were straight at the keeper, and there were a few opportunities in there, but none of them really felt like they were going to be proper guilt-edge chances where we might actually do something with it. You know. So the the, the thing I would say because I, I largely agree with you there, but I think the thing I would say is it felt to me like. The opportunities we, we were creating were really good, but we were really struggling to capitalize on them. And I think Ava was in a couple of positions that really should have turned into a better opportunity than the shot that did end up coming out of it. You know, we, we were in good position with good ball and just that that final touch or whatever was not quite there. Whereas one good touch and it was, you know, it was just an easy goal, but we weren't we weren't getting that final ball quite right. But the opportunity itself you know, one or two steps back from that felt better to me than a lot of what they were creating. Um, and so it felt really like we were putting in a, a pretty complete performance, except that front third. Um, you know, we were we were defending well, we were playing well through the midfield, we were getting the ball forward quite nicely, and then we just couldn't do anything with it in the box. Um, and that's why we end up with a lot of corners, and we weren't that great from corners, but we were creating those corners from exactly those chances where, if we'd if we'd had a better touch or turned better or you know just had read another run better, probably was a goal. I um I actually have a theory on that too. Um, they they obviously did a lot of uh, homework on Alyssa Winham because she is by far and away the most naturally gifted footballer in our team. She can do things that no one else in that team can do uh, with the ball at her feet. But every time she was on the ball. She had two city players close her every t- uh, close down her very quickly, which meant that if she wasn't quick about her transitional play, or she wasn't quick to turn and find a pass, then uh, or able to beat, which she did do a couple of times, uh, able to beat a player, then she would lose the possession. So that's it was very obvious that the Melbourne City had targeted that space, yeah, and if absolutely. they're targeting that ten space, which means that um, for all of Paige Satchel's industry and pace on the wings and all of Ava's strength and ability to hold up and shoot, if we can't feed them because our 10's being nailed all the time, then we're in a bit of trouble. And I think the City did very well at that, and that's what stopped that final third. As you say, prior to that, with the drive that Betsy had uh, and the ability to find those passes and get Paige wide and running at the wing, at the fullbacks and the support that she had from Chloe Norton there, then it was, yeah, it was very good. But I think if we're going to if we're going to create more or have create more effective opportunities, we need to find another way of supporting our most creative player in that space. Is, is that where Wisniewski comes in though? She's, she's a very much a box to box player that can take a little bit of pressure off winning. Yeah, sure. But you're going to have effectively you have a choice between her and Chloe not. And Chloe's been in exceptional form and she didn't play badly on the weekend either. So it's, um, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's not our decision to make. It's not our choice, and that's great. I'm glad I don't have to make it. Um, but I, I would not want to choose between those two once Grace gets over the injury she's got. Yeah, and I think, I think the thing we can take out of this as well is, you know, we're, we're probably being fairly critical there for a team that's kind of largely tipped to be wooden spoon again against probably the, the 
right, you know, the, the, the team that should win this league. And we were well in that game for 45 minutes. Um, they have very good players in that city side, and we were incredibly competitive with them, bar some minor tinkering, right? So there are some weaker sides in this league. And if we play like we did for that 45 minutes against some of those weaker teams, we're getting points, you know? Um, so I think we're being critical there, but I take a lot from that first 45 minutes and think to myself, shit, we are a hell of a lot better team than we were last year, and we are going to get some points out of these games. Um, there's there's some minor tinkering there that needs to be done, but when you consider the quality of the opposition and the changes we've made, those changes have clearly improved our side a lot. Um, there will obviously be some, some stuff in the second half, particularly, you know, a kind of 10, 15-minute patch there, that might be worrying for the coaches. They certainly need to address what happened there and, and figure some stuff out. But if you look at these 45 minutes, they can go, shit, we we came into this looking good. We were well prepared and we're going to get results based on that. Yeah, I, I came, I, I looked at that and at half time and I was really, really excited about that second second half. I genuinely thought actually they've, they've performed, considering who they were playing, back-to-back league champions, um, defending back-to-back league champions, the performance they put in was really, it wasn't just a couple of steps up. You know what I mean? They really yeah. had raised their bar significantly. I I don't know what happened at half time. Either way, actually, to be fair, to be fair, you're right, it was a 15-minute patch, right? And why, what I think has happened in that 15-minute patch is City has, at halftime, they've worked out a different way. They've gone, there's a weakness here, we can see we're going to exploit it. And obviously there was three goals came from that specific kind, uh, specific weakness um, that they discovered, and it took us some time to adjust to that particular change that they'd made. So I just think it was wasn't necessarily bad management or bad decision-making no. on our end. It was just very clever and astute work by the management of the of the city team. We'll get on to the goals in a bit because I, I think that one, at least one of those goals, it wasn't exactly astute management. But yeah, obviously there was something that happened at halftime because the, the numbers at halftime showed a team that was, if not ahead on big chances it was ahead on every other metric which which I thought was very very telling and and I really got my hopes up to be quite honest um unfortunately that second half didn't quite eventuate um a mere three minutes into it uh, uh what is it Briley Joe uh Briley Flo Henry um got one right after the break and it was a bit of a heartbreaker you, you felt I certainly felt watching it on TV. Oh no, this isn't. That's not the. This, the timing on this is bad. The, the timing was bad, and to be honest, it was altogether too easy as well. It um, it was just couple couple reasonable passes, and it was in the back of the net. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't like we, you know, a great turn or anything in particular. It was, you know, decent play from them, but nothing that should have cut us open the way it did, in my opinion. Um, and it just it looked altogether too easy, and it was basically straight after the half, and you just felt that, yeah, that, that kind of, at that point, felt reasonably against the run, and it worried you because it was so close to the half. Yeah. What did they say about the five or ten minutes around the half time? Either yeah. side, yeah. It definitely yeah. felt that. Yeah. Um, almost felt as though that we hadn't quite switched back on. We thought, oh, we're in it, and didn't pay attention to from the from the whistle. 
And unfortunately, it felt a bit like those heads went down two minutes later. Um, in this case, Maria Rojas, definitely not Marco um, trotting out there. But yes, a bit of a heartbreaker to knock them 2-0 up after only five minutes. That was brutal. That really, that was a knife to the guts. I think the, the, issue, the issue I had there is uh, I'm pretty sure it was the first two goals were created exactly the same way with this exactly the same turn on exactly the same player by exactly the same player. One uh, accounted for an assist and the other accounted for a one-on-one where she's slotted in. I don't think Brianna does can do better on either of these. I don't put any blame in that whatsoever. My My issue is Cool. It was a good turn. There's no argument that the the striker has uh, has earned that space and earned that turn. But she hasn't learned from that the next time, and it's happened again and cost instantly and hack it and cost us another goal. And I think that's the point we could probably go. We need a change there. We need. There's obviously there's obviously they've spotted something because it's happened twice and it's cost us two goals pretty quickly. And there was no change identified. And I think about. Seven minutes in, we could have made a change or or given some assistance or, I don't know, a managerial decision. I've got to say, uh, who was the uh, left fullback that kind of played before Kakache Tom for the men's team? Tom Doyle, Doyle yeah. Tom Doyle. Yep. It reminded me horribly of that turning one way the wrong way and just getting caught out. It was... I, that that one where she got turned and she uh, and she wasn't I don't even think she was looking. It was it was horrifying. It was just like deer and headlight stuff. Um, the fact that the the Melbourne City key, uh, uh, person who got the assist ran away from about four or five players was was really troubling as well. They were just, they looked like they were scrambling rather than organizing. Yes, this is this is why I think it was this, it was uh, the halftime change in tactic that caused this. The fact that they have gone, we've spotted this weakness. We're going to go through this motion. We went through that motion multiple times, and it got them goals. That says to me that's a managerial decision, not necessarily one that's come from, you know, the players just going, oh, "I'm going to run at this." You know, there's there's been a change in tactic, and it's just taken us a little while to catch on to what they've changed to do and adjust to it. I think for me, there felt like a, a a level of inexperience here as well. I think, um, you know, you, you referred to before, Frosty, about heads kind of dropping. And I think it felt a bit like that. You know, you didn't you didn't have experienced players um, rallying to be like, no, we need to be better than that. We need to, you know, we need to tighten up here. It felt very much like a team who in their first run out reasonably new together, some, some, pretty, uh, some pretty fresh players to this sort of level of football not really talking, letting the heads all drop as a unit and no one kind of getting them to buck up. Um, and that's why it felt like these, the, you know, there's four goals in pretty quick succession and they're in two patches kind of back to back. And I think for me, that shows a level of inexperience there. That's that's the sort of moment where a big, a big player with that experience and, you know, that prof- professionalism under their belt sort some shit out there on the field rather than letting everyone drop heads and kind of dwell on it and not get back into actually the game still going mode. Um, 
So that's a hard one to combat because we know it's a young team. We know there's a lot of new players there and, and you can't suddenly get them to be consummate professionals with 10 years experience each. But I think it's one that they probably need to recognize in those moments. You know, if you if you drop a goal just after half time, someone needs to step up and be that voice to be like, that doesn't happen again. Come on, we need to get in this. We need to switch on. Um, and that it didn't look to me like that was happening. Out yeah, there. it definitely felt to me like they were missing Lily's voice back there. Like someone that was barking out instructions, geeing them up, keeping them going. It's no dis- disrespect to Brianna. I think she... I don't think she played badly at all. Um, the, her problem was, you know, that 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 defensive management that really good quality goalkeepers that they bring more than just stopping a shot. You know, they bring organisation too. And I think that that's, it felt like that was missing because we look across that back four, all of them have at most um, a year's experience. Um, and so expecting them to be leaders from the get-go uh you know, may not be natural to them. Uh, obviously, Kate Taylor, uh, Taylor's, uh, I think she's had the assistance armband, but she's still only young. She's still 19. Yeah, to, to, to be fair, I think it's the right thing. I think she is very much a leader within the group of women. She is very much a, a leader personality. And so dropping the armband on her, I think, is, you know, it, it, it's a good tactic. I don't, don't have an issue with that at all. No, I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, as you say, you can't, you can't just buy experience, right? Not uh, not in the situation. Um, those players need to go through these things to get the experience to improve in the future. It's uh, it's a it's a tough thing to go through, but you know, yep. what do you do? Um, we should talk about that third goal, the penalty. Uh, not too many questions about this one, really. Eh? I, I was hoping we could stir up some controversy and have something to discuss there, but I got nothing. <laughs> It was a soft penalty, but I don't. I don't think there's much there you could look to overturn. I yeah, it, it's soft. The the striker looks for contact, gets it, and goes down. Yeah, yeah. It's it's soft, but not wrong. So that's the problem, right? Exactly. If, yeah. yeah. If uh, if it was soft and wrong, you'd be like, yeah, what the hell was that? But nah, it was soft and not wrong, and it's just a bit. It's just uh, a shame. I, I'm going to use the term that I used for Gareth Bale's one uh, in the Welsh game. It was earned. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. a little bit of naive defending, really, wasn't it? It's like uh, we kind of we kind of had like two sort of five minute patches throughout the second half that we kind of just, you know, either lost concentration or or or, or something, and we kind of got punished quite heavily for for both. Yeah, it feels almost um, with that head dropping um, idea that people go into either flight or fo- uh, fight or flight, and the in the flight people hang off and the fight people just dive in and it's kind of like you just need that steady head that goes not only picks the moment rather than just reacting uh and unfortunately yeah that pen um and then followed up not that long later in fact four minutes later uh the i was about to say the the clincher or the icing on the cake but at three nil up i think it's pretty much sealed four nil done dusted and uh all off to the. You can't argue. Eh? It's a bloody good goal. Good finish there, though. Jeez, she like yeah, killed her back post like. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. There wasn't yeah, a, like that, a lot that's... of a. It wasn't a big sort of channel to to pick, and she somehow threaded it. I I was a little bit disappointed, and I think it was Kate Taylor who kind of pulled the head out of the way as it was curled. And I'm kind of like, oh, just get something on it, just you know. 
you, you might have saved your keeper there, but in essence, I don't think it's changing the game at all. And I don't know whether she was making it, but I just saw her move her head out of the way and just, oh, it, it didn't fill me full of uh, full of joy. Um, the only consolation was the uh, own goal that followed um, 13 minutes later. That's that's uh, not an own goal. To call this consolation, I think, is um, really putting it in the definition. It, ha- it has taken a deflection. No, I know it was called an own goal. I thought it was well hit, but yeah. I, it was on target. Yeah, I thought it was on target. I think it was on target, right? So I don't know. I don't, I don't like it being called an own goal either. But I also, part of me wants to go, that's not our first goal we've scored at home because it was noggy. So we still had a chance for our first goal scored at Westpac at Sky Stadium to be a good one. Sure. Okay. But I, I want to give that to Ava because I actually think she's uh, she deserves it on the performance over the course of the 90. I think she's actually played pretty well. And... Um, yeah, it's a. I mean, it was messy, right? It was very scrappy ball from a from a set piece, and it could have been cleared twice by City and wasn't before it actually fell to her. And yes, it took a deflection, and the keeper could have probably done better. So it's, it's just it was just a really scrappy piece of play, but uh, I, it was just desserts for I think the performance that the team had put out um, over the course of all bar fifteen minutes of that game. Yeah, I think I think I think I turned to someone in the stands after they scored their fourth and go, "Well, there's a long way to go in this game because uh, it was still at least twenty minutes to go." And at four at four nil, you're like, "This is one of those ones that could get away from you quite big, quite quickly if you don't watch it." So <clears throat> to pull one back and not not to concede again, I think is I guess something to take out of that game, um, whether that's Melbourne City sort of with foot off the pedal or uh, us, you know, um, rebounding. But at least it didn't sort of be a like a huge blowout, like a six or a seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, small mercies. Uh, so, um, uh, Cam, you've already called out Betsy Hassett. Who are our other standouts in this game? First half, I would have said our back line um, because I actually th- I, I don't think any of them played poorly in that first half, um, particularly Kate and Mackenzie. I thought they were very, very, uh, had a very, very good game to that point. Possibly because they were being shielded by Betsy as well, you know, but there was um, a really good interplay between those three. So, yeah, it was um, it was very good. And I think Paige Satchel so showed how industrious she can be. Um, she's obviously got a bit of pace, she, and she's prepared to run. She finds space, and she will close down from the top. And she went for 90, like she went for the whole game, you know, there was a Actually, she might have got subbed off late. I don't really recall now, but yeah, when she, yeah, when she was on, she went the whole time. So I think that was uh, that was commendable performance as well. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you about the back four. Um, in the in the halftime break, I was with quite a few kind of of the the, the fever, you know, echelons, and um, someone commented that back four looked better than the men, and no one disagreed with that at that point. Um, you know, they they looked like a pretty competent back four, which I don't think is what we kind of expected. Um, you know, we, we knew this team were new and there was going to be some issues, and I don't think any of us expected a 45 like that out of that back four. Um, so that was really promising to see, and if they can keep that form together, um, that'd be great. But obviously, second half was a very different story. 
And I think that's, yeah, reflective of that, you know, youngness of that back line, you know, like you're not going to get 90-minute 90, 90 performances out of them. They're going to, you know, switch off or make, you know, silly mistakes. And, and I think that's what we saw in the second half was a little bit of both. Um, perhaps when the first half we were a bit more sort of comfortable. But, you know, it's, it's, easy to, it's easy to forget how young some of these players are. You'd imagine if we, you know, chucked, you know, an 18, well, two 19-year-olds in the, in the A-League, uh, men's and, and see how they went together. Um, you know, it'd be a, 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 could be quite a interesting uh, or similar similar story to how the second half went. And if you look at Millie Clegg coming on, she's effectively still a schoolgirl. You know, she's not even yet old enough to go to college in the US. So, and the fact that she's in there and she's coming on for minutes and performing admirably at that level, you know, it's um, you're right. I think we do need to take the situation that opponent take it all with a grain of salt and go actually the performance itself wasn't so bad and the players that are out there they're young and they don't have a lot of experience they don't have poles and poles and minutes at this level under them and they need these kind of games to get that experience so you know for me i i wasn't as impressed with Paige satchel as you guys yeah she she showed a lot of running and a lot of pace but she also turned a lot of ball over um and as you say, the, the rest of the team is pretty inexperienced. I would have hoped that her, obviously, uh, Hassett, did, Hassett did step up, uh, and I don't think she's really a natural six, is she? She's been playing six for a while, and she played at six for the Ferns. She, okay. And when she was younger, I she, she was she, Now, when she was younger, she was known she could play wide left as well as ACM, um, but she obviously she's got older, and she is the eldest in that team by some margin. She's dropped further and further back and is now doing a you know admirable DCM role. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would have hoped that Satchel would have been providing a little more of that stability as well. Um, but, you know, first first game for a team, it's kind of maybe it's just a question of her uh, uh, finding her space and her role in that team. Um, is there anything else we want to cover off on this game before we roll off into the other games? No, the only thing I want to do is echo what I said earlier. I think for a first game out, we should, we should take a lot of positives from that. And I think, you know, we... Obviously, when we're analysing something like this, we are going to focus on some negatives, particularly when a scoreline blows out like that. But I think the biggest takeaway for anyone who watched that game shouldn't be the scoreline or that second-half performance. It should be the first half. And comparing that to last season and, and looking to the season ahead and thinking, shit, performance like that, we're going to do all right this year. or We should do all right this year. Um, also, the um, I want to commend the woman after the game uh, it was an hour after the final whistle before I went back in uh, to the uh, sheds after covering their autograph signing and fan interaction session. And they were excellent. Like, you wouldn't get that. I've, I've never seen that from anybody else. They just, they were there. They signed all the autographs. They went to get photos taken with anybody that would wanted, that uh, wanted them. They were it was the kind of thing where you go, these, perhaps it's because they're young and they haven't done it and they don't understand the limits and the requirements of that particular type of role and what you know they can and can't do. But it was so good to see them engaging with the fans on such a level. Um, and I think they really should be commended for that. Off to the rest of the Liberty A-League uh, women's. Uh, on the Saturday, Brisbane uh, got up 
2-1 over the Newcastle Jets. Canberra got a 2-all draw with Perth. Western United a 1-0 tip over of um, Melbourne Victory. Uh, I'm sure that uh, they quite enjoyed that. Um, Adelaide United uh, got over uh, Sydney. That's a bit of a surprise. Uh, and obviously the result for um, the Knicks and Melbourne City, which brings us into the Western United uh, hosting, uh, sorry, uh, the Knicks playing Western United next. Um, I genuinely don't know much about this Western United side. Well, they knocked over victory in their first game 1-0, mm-hmm. but that, I didn't see any of it, and I don't I don't actually know how the game was actually played. Um I do know that the, the the women like ours was just ecstatic to be in a position where they could play professional football. And and it's how good it is for the league to be growing in this way and getting these teams in there, I think, is it, it's excellent. But how they play, what they do, I've genuinely no idea. So I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, agreed. I, don't, I didn't see their game and they're a new side. So it's hard to read much into it on one result. But obviously, it's a good performance. Um You'd think first game kind of bump will have helped a bit there with the performance. They would have been up for it, but I think it's going to be a lot of unknowns there, um, and it'll be interesting to see how we go. But uh, still quite a few close games, only one goal in it. Um, So first round looking pretty tight with the exception of uh, our game, unfortunately, but um, early doors, right? Yeah. I I I think how we're going to go against Melbourne against Western United. I mean, if if we get Michaela or Emma Ralston back, I think that will make a, a significant difference in the final third, which we talked about earlier, where we seem to be just lacking a little bit of that finished product of the final third. Michaela Robertson and Emma Ralston will provide both of those things, as well as a bit of pace, as well as a bit of uh, assurity as well. So I think... Getting and again, I don't know. I don't know how long they're out injured, or you know, obviously Emma took a knock when she was with the football ferns, um, and Michaela has been out for some time, and hopefully, hopefully we'll be back soon. They will make a difference. They will make a very big difference, and I think if we can defend like we did in that first half, we'll actually be fine. And I don't think Western United are going to have the same creativity um, and the same. They're not the same. Not they're going to be the same team as uh, Melbourne City were. You know, we're not going to have that same kind of challenge, even though we don't know much about them. They're not going to be Melbourne City. So I think it could. You know, we've got. I think we've got a very good chance of getting something out of this, performing like we did in that first half. So for the work-ons, what what other things do we think that that a couple of little simple improvements could benefit this team? I think probably the transitions, I think, uh, I noticed particularly in the second half where we, we won a ball in midfield, but our sort of moment forward was quite um, ponderous and, and, um, and, and chances where players were in space got closed down quickly or and we ended up making sort of wrong decisions. So in attacking sense, I think if we can move that ball a bit quicker and, and pick our passes um, with a bit more. I was thinking Paige Satchel is an outlet. We didn't look. We looked to go uh, the traditional routes, traditional, you know, passing routes along the ground and everything. Um, uh, is it something that we can use here as an outlet? Just use that pace. Well, we did it a couple yeah. of times. I mean, she did sit one of the um, 
one of the city fullbacks down uh, with uh, with the move as well. So you know she's it. It's not something we didn't employ. It's just you know we did. It wasn't as effective as we would hoped it would have been. I shall take that silence to mean that we have covered this as best we can. We'll turn to the local men's league. Uh, Weenix pulling off a bit of a win in Kashmir. Um, it, uh, Cam rightly pointed out just prior to this, uh, quite a few um, of the first teamers getting a run. Uh, I believe even someone suggesting that, uh, wanting to know how Mr. Pennington would go in this league, and apparently it was it was pretty decent. He scored, scored a goal as well with his right foot, so there you go. It was a nice goal too. Uh, unfortunately, it was... Well, not unfortunately. It was upstaged by um, the uh, long range effort, uh, and I've forgotten who did it. Ben Wallace. Uh, was it Ben Wallace? Ben Wallace, yep. Okay. A cracking, what, 30 odd yard drive? Yeah. It was quite a drive rather than a chip of the keeper. Very astute. I thought that was a pretty good goal. Yeah, it's a very nice goal. Um, obviously, I, I feel for Kashmir in this situation. I mean, we, we want these players to be getting minutes, and this is a situation which they brought the um, Rezies up for. You know, this is this is why they're there. Um, blood players and give first-teamers who need minutes, minutes. So they've had uh, Lucas Moragas, and they've had Finn Sermon play for them already. Um, and let's be honest... OVH needed the minutes as well, you know. There, there's and so did Pennington. They, they, there's only one more opportunity this weekend coming up to get those minutes in, and I hope we see someone like Alex Rufer getting minutes this weekend in the final round as well, because it would be good to see him play. And there's not a, no other opportunity after this weekend to get that in. So I feel for Kashmir um, because they were you know in the wrong place at the wrong time, and then they're playing a lot of decent footballers. I mean, to be fair, I don't think the Phoenix have dropped many players at all in this when they probably could have. But I'm wondering whether next week we might see <clears throat> see someone like Jan Saski to go, um, just because he hasn't played much, get a bit of get a bit of leakage in him, or how, how he might he might go against uh, Birkenhead. Oh boy, yeah, that that might be brutal. He is uh, he's pretty quick for the A League. I'd hate to think what he's like stepping down a grade. I'm actually I'm actually okay with that decision purely because there's. It won't impact the league because, like, and and let's be honest, Kashmir were already out of the uh, final for uh, finals hunt, and the the grand final's already been determined. So there's the playing these guys now isn't going to impact on anything. So I'd actually be okay with them dropping that. And I, you know, I don't think Bergenhead would overly mind playing against these guys to test themselves, considering they can't get anything further from the league. Yeah, and I think I think you make a fair point regarding the situation as it actually lands, but. No one knew that going in. If this if this was them playing uh, in Auckland City or an Olympic, they'd still be dropping the same players they're dropping, right? So it's only um, fortuitous that the teams they are doing, you know, this against won't affect anything. Because I think I think that'll be the biggest loss is when, you know, as a Phoenix fan, obviously uh, we understand why that reserve teams exist and why why it needs to be used in this way. We all get that, but club football land doesn't want to see this title decided by who happened to play the teams during the weeks where the Phoenix didn't have games, right? You know, no, I don't think anyone really wants that. I don't think the Phoenix really want that either, but they're not in a position to be in control of how that schedule looks and who they're playing in the weeks where it's plausible to drop first-team players. Or it might not even be times like this where there aren't games on. It might just be 
bad timing for someone when someone's coming back from injury, you know, and that could just be bad luck. And I would, I'd be gutted as a club footballer to see that decide the league. Luckily, we won't see that this time around. The extent of it is probably just because this season there's a break in the league, whereas next year, you know, there won't be, I think, I think the head coach, if it's Tele or, or someone else, um, probably be a bit more reluctant throwing some of your professional footballers down. It is this year, but I think you could talk to, you know, Team Wellington staff in the past about some of the times they've faced significant numbers of Phoenix players where other teams haven't. So we certainly have seen it. And it's not a situation anyone likes, but it's a reality of the football landscape in New Zealand. So I, d- I don't know that there's a better solution, but it is also harsh. And as you say, I think it's just lucky that that's not going to affect anything major this time around. So the other results in uh, the local leagues, uh, the local league uh, at the m- was Olympic bubbles giving Christchurch uh, United an absolute toweling 7-1. Jesse Randall was incredible. Jesse Randall was absolutely phenomenal in this game. Um, he got four. He could have had more. Um, just, yeah, his performance was, like, from Olympic as a team, was ex- was excellent. But him as an individual as well was, yeah, it was something else. Birkenhead uh, got up 2-0 over Auckland United. Uh, Melville and Napier City uh, smashing each other. Uh, Melville coming out on top 4-3. Uh, Auckland City getting up 2-1 over Mighty Miramar Rangers. Uh, Kashmir Tech, as we mentioned before, going down 3-1 to the Knicks. Leaving the table, Auckland City uh, on top 19 uh, over uh, just ahead of uh, Bubbles, also on 19. That's on head-to-head, I think you said? Yep, it is. Birkenhead, five points adrift. Uh, on 14, as are Auckland United, Melville United on 13, then all the way down to the Knicks on 9, to, uh, and that is the 6, and that's as far as I'm going to go, apart from to say, Miramar Rangers really only have 4 points, and I'm not pleased about it. And their last game is against Olympic as well. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, and it's not going to matter this year because Olympic lost at home to Auckland City, but it's ridiculous that the deciding factor is head-to-head when there's only a one-round competition. Yeah, agreed. Because yeah. if you're playing at home, you've got a massive advantage. Like, it could have mattered at some point that second and third were equal and one happened to play the other at home. And because of that, they won. It's just silly. And it also, yeah. um, because the grand final is in Auckland and determined already in Auckland, didn't matter where the teams were going to finish, then, yeah, the head-to-head thing just, it's, it feels it feels silly. Um, someone has also pointed out that uh, of the nine games Auckland City could play, seven of them will be in Auckland. Yeah, yeah so, that was that was me. Thanks, Frosty. Yeah, thanks. Oh, you're welcome, mate. <laughs> I'm sure you stole it from somewhere, Dale. It's fine. <laughs> I was not trying to steal the credit, mate. I just couldn't remember who said it. <laughs> Just know that you've entertained me, Dale. That's enough, right? Yeah, they've had a difficult road trips of one to Wellington and one to Christchurch. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, that's what you get for the home of football, mate. It's, uh... I'm pretty sure I saw someone tweeting about whether or not that was the home of football as well, based on crowd numbers. Can't remember who it was, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that person must have been pretty smart. Pretty smart. 
Wow. I'm sure uh, we don't know who it is. Uh, right, so on to the fixtures this week. Uh, Christchurch United will be uh, playing Kashmir Tech. Auckland United will uh, be playing uh, Napier City Rovers. Uh, Auckland City uh, will go against Melville. The Weenicks will be playing Birkenhead. And Rangers will be uh, hosting uh, Bubbles at Dave F. Uh, that is probably going to be a battering. Um, and if you guys are right, the Knicks fielding a few first-teamers probably mean a bit of a battering for Birkenhead as well. The only problem is that, that one of those games kicks off at 1 o'clock on Sunday at Fraser Park and the other kicks off at 3 o'clock on Sunday at David Farrington Park. And there's a decent distance between those, so it's unlikely you're, not going to, you're definitely not going to be able to do both uh, for full games, which is really irritating. Yeah, it would have been nice if they were scheduled on different days, but... Um... Or even just uh, kicking one off an hour earlier. Kicking the first one off an hour earlier or the second one off an hour later would have made a significant difference to being able to attend. Yeah, the, to be fair, they've done the same thing uh, with the Auckland teams. Uh, Auckland United playing at one and Auckland City playing at three. So this is not... Uh, it's not just the Wellington sides that are kind of missing out. No, it's just, uh, just frustrating because I'm going to do the first half of that Phoenix game and then have to speed to Miramar to make kickoff. So, yeah. it, it is a slightly un, more unusual scenario in Wellington in that it's uh, it's more likely that uh, fans will take an interest in both those teams rather than just one. Um, maybe we'll suggest it. We'll put it in the suggestion box for. New Zealand football when they do it next year. Maybe even home and away games as well. Oh, that's another can of worms we shouldn't open up on the pod today, tonight, buddy. Some of us have got to get to sleep so we can get up and watch Germany beat Japan. Or, uh, you know which team I'm barracking for, mate, but even I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. Um, so, yes, we'll end on that note. Uh, please enjoy your sleep before you get up early and watch some football. Um, drive responsibly, etc. Um, enjoy. Go to the game on Saturday at 3 yes, Go to the game on Saturday at 3 uh, Obviously a great uh, lot of potential shown in that first half We hope that they can do it for the full 90 this time uh, Until then, been lovely talking Thanks all, we'll see you all on the flip side Bye